Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. I grew up in a family with uh, no other hunters, mm-hmm. uh, so no parents or grandparents were hunting. Yeah. But for some reason, I got hooked into the forest and the animals from a very early age. Mm-hmm. And I remember it still very strongly to this day. I was about seven years old and sitting at some old timers that were living next doors. And this was probably around, like around September. Moose season was just around the corner. And I asked them if I were allowed to join them to hunt. And they responded that as a seven-year-old me, I was never still uh, <laughs> always talking that I would scare any moose away. Yeah. Uh, so that resulted in me sitting dead silently for, for me, it felt like ages, mm-hmm. but might just been 10 minutes until they <laughs> called my mom over to check on what happened. And I just responded that I was training to be still and sitting silently so I could one day join them on a hunt. Uh, And later that year, I got invited to join them for moose hunting. Uh, And since then, that day, I haven't really stopped. That's awesome. Yeah. At seven years old, you're determined enough to train yourself to sit still. Yep. Well, as the listeners can tell by your accent, you're not here in the United States, so where are you at? And why don't you right introduce now, yourself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name is Erik Rodin, and I live in the middle of Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, living on a small uh, farm place here, me and four dogs and the better half. Okay. Uh, we have about 10 hectares of land here. Trying yep. to grow some potatoes and carrots and fill the freezer with some good game meat. There you go. We got connected on Go Wild like a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, way we're, back. We're there weren't very many dog guys, so <laughs> the fact that there <laughs> yeah. was we, we got connected because you were posting some photos of your dogs and stuff, and so and so was I. So that's how we kind of got connected on Go Wild. So that's where it all started, and we've talked a good bit over, you know, through that app. If you're not on it, you know, it's a great app. Yeah, for me, it's an uh, amazing app to look on how th- it's mainly. Uh, American users on the app, so it's a good yeah. way for me as a, a Swedish person to see the way of your dog handling and how you're hunting and mm-hmm. expanding in the horizon. Yeah. So I have uh, three hunting dogs right now. They're of the breed Russian European Lycus. Yep. I know you have had some couple of guys here on the podcast. Yeah, I've had some Lyca guys. Everyone that's been on has had West Siberians. Yeah, I think some of them that you talked with that has the West Siberian Lycus have quickly re- said that there are other breeds mm-hmm. and you have the West Siberian Lycus, you have the East Siberian Lycus, and then you have the Russian European Lycus. Yep. Uh, I try to describe my, or like the Lycus I have is a bit like a small Karelian beer dog. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, your kennel club or the UKC, I also figured out that you have a lot of different clubs. <laughs> yes, very much. I, have, so. I haven't really dived into that that side of American dogs that much, but uh, I know some of the clubs don't recognize them as an own breed in the States. Yeah. So in theory, you could have some Russian European Lycus, but they would be registered as a Karelian bear dog. 
Yeah, because they they look very similar. They're black and white, right? right? Yeah, they have to be black and white. Uh, the what? So they're more related to the Karelian bear dog than the other two Leica breeds. Mm -hmm. At least what I've been told. Like I'm no dog breeding expert from the Russian side, so to say. Okay. Uh, I'm just a normal guy that loves hunting <laughs> with dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I've been around one Karelian, so I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with them, and uh, you know, I've seen a couple of the West Siberian Lycas over here too. So <clears throat> they're definitely gaining in popularity, I would say. Yeah, I would say over here uh, it's a bit. Uh, the Spitz dog uh, is the, one of the older used hunting dogs here, yeah. mainly for moose. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have found Norwegian moose dogs and uh, like with the Viking graves and stuff like that. So it's a very long history of hunting with the dogs that yeah. we still use today. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. So what all uh, do you hunt with your dogs? So mainly I would say I'm hunting moose wild boar mm -hmm. uh, with my dogs right now. Okay. They... They definitely love to sh uh, bark at some squirrels, mm -hmm. but we're not allowed to hunt squirrels here. So <laughs> uh, they also love some forest birds. Okay. Uh, and then I'm starting to do a bit more predator hunting. Mm -hmm. And I heard you were talking with someone about you were trying your dogs on bobcats. And I would say I'm probably in the same <laughs> experience level right now that I'm happy if I see a track and yeah. letting the dog loose on it. But I can't call myself a predator hunter but in that way it would be lynx and brown bear okay. uh, badgers is something i'm always hunting before the uh, the moose season starts here okay like our seasons for what game is allowed is kind of regulated mm -hmm. but at at the other spectrum we can use dogs for all the games we're chasing okay That's uh, a different, yeah so I think think it's a bit different. It's a very free, freedomly used to use dogs, uh, mm -hmm. but like we can only use two dogs per game. I was just about to ask, like, aren't there yeah. some restrictions on that? <clears throat> yeah, so you can only use two dogs per game. Okay. The only game we can chase with more is wolf, and then you can only use three. So there's no like pack hunting uh, yeah. in that sense. Uh, so. They're, the Russian European like uh, the dogs I have. They're they're trying to bay the animal. I haven't really found a good word for it. Mm -hmm. Like what do you call when a dog is barking at a moose to stand still? Uh, uh, I I would say it's baying. Yeah, but then I, when I Google it, it also said that like a beagle is baying, and I wouldn't describe that as the same way. But no, I wouldn't. Either. <clears throat> I I would definitely say though that the way a uh, any spitz breed works a moose would be baying it. Yeah. Yeah, so then the goal is to pay the game, whatever it is we're chasing. But yeah, uh, mainly here when it comes to moose hunting or hunting in general, you hunt every land here is private. Okay. Uh, so you have to be either connected to a landowner or like in a hunting club that uh, rents a hunting lease from a forest company. Okay. Uh, so. so how uh, hard is it to get into one of those hunting clubs? It's definitely easier if you're born into it, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. For me, I grew up in the village with the old-timers that 
I was seven year old me were mm-hmm. training on being silent with. So my first hunting team was with like the village hunting team, yeah. which was 900 hectares around the village, basically. How big is a hectare? Uh, then what do you want me to respond in? <laughs> <laughs> you have acres, right? Yes, we use acres. I mean, so I, I think don't... one hectare is two acres okay. or like two, two, two 2.5 maybe. Okay. Well, I mean, at least that gives some people a rough idea of what, what that equates to. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, like, if you have money, it's always easy. As in whatever country you're probably in, you can always pay someone to go yeah. hunt. Uh, but it takes a bit of connections. Uh, yeah. Luckily, or it depends on what eyes you have, I guess. But in the general area where I'm living, we have a lot of forest companies. Okay. So then it's all, it tends to be easier to get a hunting lease from a forest company. Yeah. Uh, mainly here, it's the moose is what everyone wants to have a hunting license for. So small game, which would also in, indicate or include wild boar and brown bear on this for some reason here. Uh, it's a lot easier to get your hands on. Brown bears are small game. Yep. <laughs> That's kind of That's, funny. Yeah, it, it shows a bit that. The game that everyone has been chasing here for the last hundreds of years is uh, the moose. Yeah. Uh, and that's like everything is based around the moose. Yep. You have in the north of Sweden, moose hunting season starts in September, and then basically the whole village just closes down and nothing is opened anymore. Everyone is out <laughs> in the forest hunting. Wow. And then from, from middle of Sweden to south of Sweden, you, it starts in, it previously st- always started the second Monday in October. Mm-hmm. But two years ago, it got changed to, I think it's always 8th of October now. Okay. But basically, it's still everyone that's hunting actively. You're off at least a week from your work, just hunting the first week together with your hunting team. I'll say that's pretty cool that there's such a hunting culture that everything shuts down for hunting season. That's pretty cool. Yeah, especially, like, obviously not in the big cities, but, like, in a small city, you're definitely going to have, like, the gas station might be open three, four hours before shooting hours <laughs> and then they open after and then it's empty during that uh, yeah. day of yeah. the day when you can hunt. So it's definitely a very strong uh, hunting culture and it's definitely something like if you moved away from your home village mm-hmm. to a city to work, then you're like, it's like a homecoming <laughs> during that week yeah. each yeah. year. So yeah, that's it's something that's really strong uh, connected in the countryside of Sweden. Is the moose hunting season? That's pretty cool. Um, you don't, I mean, you see that to some degree here, but not on I, from the sounds of it on that kind of scale. So. Yeah, we're blessed in that way that hunting is very popular. Pop, like the view of hunting in Sweden is very positive. That's that's great. Like I think it's uh, Sweden and. I think Norway, that's like almost ranking the highest each year. Wow. If you, if you compare different countries, yeah. obviously we have the anti hunters here as well. Yeah. They're, they're loud, but there are very few in numbers. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would say we're kind of the same way. We have very few anti hunters by in numbers, but they're very loud. And the problem is the vast majority, at least here in the United States are just kind of in that middle that don't hunt, don't care about it, you know? So you've got a, small group on either end just a very large group in the middle yeah so 
Yeah, I think here if you ask, at least I live on fairly the countryside. So if if you ask any of my neighbors, they always love to eat some moose. Mm-hmm. And I think hunters here in general have been like, even if you grew up in a village, even if you didn't hunt, mm-hmm. you still had access to game meat. Okay. I think a lot of people grew up with a positive mindset towards just the meat part of it. Yep. Like, uh, I think it's a bit similar for you that anything that's cute or fluffy, that that's where the point of anti-hunters are. Like here we have uh, obviously a big debate with wolves and lynx uh, and bears. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. That's like that's the same thing the, here. Nobody yeah, cares about fo- deer, you know, which no, is no, the no, number one deer, thing. Here, yeah. but it's the predators and the and the things that are viewed as cute and fuzzy and you're exactly right and yeah like for me any animal population has to be controlled yeah. doesn't matter if it's a moose or wild boar or a lynx mm-hmm. yeah no i mean we're we're battling it all over the united states you know different laws and stuff trying to get things shut down and yeah we I would say majority of hunters in America would agree exactly with that, that we need to, regu- you know, manage all these populations. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, um, for, from outside, like I can't really grasp that every state in America has their own rules <laughs> and all that, but let's yeah. not dive into that the whole, uh, area. I think, but I think I, it was you that I was talking to that. I was ex- trying to explain that to, cause I'm like, I can hunt bears in West Virginia with dogs, but I can't in Pennsylvania where I live. So I've got to travel to hunt bears with dogs. Or if yeah, it wasn't you, it was like, somebody else that wasn't no, from the th- United States. No, I think it was me. Uh, I remember that conversation. Yeah. And it, for like for me, I can live on my hunting ground and just open the door and let my dog loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's, but then you have the other side. Like I have uh, so twenty-five acres. Let's put it. I'm gonna try to use your terms. <laughs> I think most of your use, uh, listeners. Yeah. We'll be happy with that. So I have 25 acres around my property here, but Mm -hmm. my property is not connected to any of the local hunting teams. Okay. Which means my property is too small to use any dogs on. Like we have acres restrictions. So let's say you have, let's say you have a beagle. Mm -hmm. I know that's a old Dutch hound uh, that we're using to chase deer. Yeah. Uh, Then it's recommended that you have to have at least 300 to 400 acres to let the dog loose. And if you have a spitz for like a Swedish moose dog or a Norwegian moose dog, then you want to be in the ballpark of uh, above thousand acres okay. before you're allowed to let your dogs loose. How the rule is, is if there's a high chance of your dog ending up on another property or another hunting team areas, then it's not a suited dog to chase games with on that property. It's very interesting. I did not realize that there was, you know, regulation as far as the size of the property no it's like it's there's there isn't a law towards okay. it like you, you can't go to jail for it but like the hunting community it's like I recommended more yeah. like yeah uh, obviously people are gonna use a moose dog on a smaller property but it's viewed down upon and both from the state and from like the hunting community okay. like you should use the correct dog breed on the game you're chasing and on the property you're hunting mm-hmm yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So here I'm, I'm still working my neighbors here in that, <laughs> this area that I can connect my property to their hunting community mm-hmm. or like in the, their hunting team. 
Because what's normal here is that you have maybe one or two dog handlers and then you have five to 15 other hunters that's hunting together as, I haven't really found a good term for it, but like a, as a shooter, they're sitting on yep. some, sometime as if you, if anyone watched like wild boar fever, you're stand, sitting on a stand where you think the game is going to cross a road or across a field. Yeah. Uh, and if you then have a hunting party or a group of friends hunting together, then I'm par I'm powerfully at the place myself. Like if you're hunting with eight, 10 guys and you're having a good time together, then you don't invite new people just because they show up in your neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so it takes a few years to get mm. into it. So to say, I moved to this property three years ago now. So okay. got to foster those relationships and build yeah. up. Yeah, right now I'm invited to hunt wild boars because they don't have any wild boars dogs okay. in the one of the closer teams to me, so to say. So, hey, wherever you can get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking with people, talking about dogs. So yeah, it's it's a slow process, but I think it's a part of the process as well. Um, and now I'm. I'm with I'm working within the forest industry, so I have a lot of contacts with the landowners spread around. So go. I have plenty of opportunities to go hunting. Yeah, that's awesome. Right now I'm working towards getting a like permanently teamed mm -hmm. more like I, I want a property that has more wild boars on it because yeah. at least both of my female like us, uh, they prefer wild boars. I have a seven year old that's like she will hunt the moose, but she's She's more, she's pushing them towards me. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't want to stay and bay them for a long hour of time. She just pushed them towards me. And if I doesn't shoot, then she just tries to find something else to chase. Gotcha. Well, if you run across a wild boar, oh, she's going to chase that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen that before where dogs definitely prefer one game over another. Yeah. I think it's like every dog is different. Even if you have... Like for me, uh, my older female is the grandmother to my young female. Mm -hmm. And so like, even if they're related and the same breed, they're go not going to hunt the same. No, uh, definitely not. And I think that's something that's brilliant and it's fun to like, you have to, as a hunter and as a dog handler, like you will never be fully grow, uh, fully learned in the way of hunting. and. As soon as you think you know how this dog is working, then you get a new dog and it's completely different. Exactly. Now, like you said, even even being related, I've got I hunt a mother and a son, and they're they're vastly different. He reminds me more of his dad than he does of his mom when I hunt him, and uh, so it's it's just funny to see the differences between the two. So I know exactly what yeah. you mean. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's definitely boost the fun of hunting like i'm doing my a few a few days a year hunting without dogs as well stalking some road deer yeah. on my property here uh and uh some beavers and others okay like i was uh as a friend's place here stalking some fellow deers uh a few day, a few weeks ago so like i do hunt a little bit without dogs but they can lead me into the whole conversation i think it was you and me that had it on go wild was that here in sweden you have to have a tracking dog yeah no no matter what game you're hunting mm -hmm. uh you have to be able to have a scent dog or a dog that can chase down the game uh, yeah. in case of a bad shot within two hours and that's something for me that's very foreign that i know states in america you can't even use a dog 
to track down a wounded animal. Yeah, it's becoming more and more popular here in the United States to have tracking dogs. And, uh, you know, not necessarily everybody has one or has access to one by any means, but they're definitely becoming more popular. And I would say a lot of states have changed laws within the last probably five to ten years to allow for it. I know Pennsylvania, we, we changed the law because you're right. We did at one point we weren't allowed to track deer with dogs and now we are allowed to use a leashed dog to track wounded deer. Yeah. So Yeah, like for me that's like I grew up in our way of viewing uh how to hunt and all that, but that's something I find really fun with Go Well is that you can get a little bit of glimpse in other countries hunting yeah. habits. Yep. Definitely. Uh, so yeah. So here it's like yeah, we also have that uh, if, if you hit a deer or upwards, like size-wise, mm -hmm. with a car, then you have to call the police, and then the police will call out, like, a traffic hunter that will track down the animal. Oh, wow. And judge how, like, if it's wounded, then you will put the animal down, and if it's too healthy or, like, healthy enough, then they will let it go. And if it doesn't report that, then you will basically not be able to fix your car because then the insurance company will just ask you, where's your report to the police? You hit the deer here. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would. I think the police would get overrun with uh, phone calls if if everyone <laughs> reported that they hit a deer. Uh, yeah, just because you, you drive down the highway anywhere, anywhere, and you're gonna see deer along the, the side of it. Yeah, we have the same here, but it's which means like each village or like there's never that far to sh call to find someone with a good tracking dog because okay. we do. That high amount of traffic, mm -hmm. like injured animals in the traffic search as well. Yeah. Now, do you ever do that? Or have you? Yeah. Ever I, I have followed some friends with doing it, but uh, the traffic here, at least, might be the same. Like, even if you have a car with the warning blinkers in the road, like people drive by so fast, mm -hmm. like there's no respect towards if you're standing in the road. So, like, I might do it with my young one uh, if we're passing the tracking tests for it. Yeah. Uh, but I also do love my sleep, man. And most of the <laughs> traffic injuries is during nighttime. So yep. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit or not. No, I understand it. Especially you saying that people just not slowing down. Actually, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I hit a deer on the road and my airbag went off. So like I got out of the car and my hood popped up. So like I got out of the car because I couldn't see anything. So I'm like, I can't move the car if I can't see. and. Uh, so I get out like to shut my hood and, and everything. And uh, while I got out, after I got out of the car, once again, it was dark. It was early morning. I actually had somebody that went around me in the median of the road because they were just flying and weren't, they weren't paying attention. All of a sudden, they came up on my car, just stopped. And they, they actually almost hit me standing there. So I, I get it. Being on the side of the road with, uh, is not a, a place to be. you want to necessarily be with a dog. No. And if you have like wild boar or moose, like you're going to have to let the dog off leech. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the time it feels like it can come back to the road as well. So, yeah, I just have to Google quickly here. We have about 60,000 traffic reports with deer and above each year. So oh, wow. for a small country, that's a, still a lot of animals hit and tracked yeah. down. Yeah. I say there's just a big difference in the way you guys view game animals versus here. 
Yeah, like, I think it's, like, I'm not gonna talk about our history here. I'm not no history expert, but, like, it's all, game animal has always been viewed up above. Like, I think yeah. it's for two, three hundred years ago, like, all the mooses belonged to the king. <laughs> no, no peasants were allowed to chase them. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a king that was almost dethroned, and he just released the moose for a free chase for everyone, and suddenly everyone was happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. Never knew that. But Well, what, let's talk about your dogs. And, and so let's talk yep. about the Russian European Lycas. And uh, so how big are they by comparison to some of the other Lyca breeds? They're definitely smaller. Uh, like now we might have the same issue with hectares and acres. But <laughs> my female weighs about 16 to 18 kilos. Okay. So I'm not sure what that it's pounds for you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like they're um, my, both my females is 50, 52, 53 centimeters in height. Okay. Uh, on how you measure them, uh, like what's the word for it in English? Um, we use inches. Oh yeah, you use inches. Yeah. So sixteen kilos is like thirty five pounds. Yeah. Okay. So medium sized dogs. Yeah, they're definitely medium sized. Like if you've seen the vest beer in like like they're they're a few centimeters higher and a few pounds heavier. Yeah. Uh, and but the big thing for Russian European like as is that they have to be white and black. Yeah, where the West Siberians can be like whatever. Yeah. I think both West Siberian and East Siberian can be basically, mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk down upon them, but they can be a lot of different colors. Yeah. The, the color is not heavily regulated. No. So yeah, it's a medium sized pitch dog. Mm -hmm. um, what made here you in get Sweden. Them? Sorry. What made you want to get them versus a different spitz? Yeah. So I grew up with the moose hunting in the village. Uh, hunting the area we had so what was it in acres like 2000 acres mm -hmm. uh and if you go towards the like swedish moose dog which yeah. is in swedish called jamtund and then the norwegian moose dog i know you had some on yep. the podcast here that had the norwegian moose dog to chase uh yeah hogs yep he chases hogs in north carolina yeah they're very much wider in the search and okay. the way they're hunting like a normal swedish moose dog will probably be on we're gonna have the same problem with meters to yards here right <laughs> that's fine whatever uh, meters and yards so, are close enough so they're searching i would say a normal swedish moose dog will search between 500 meters to a kilometers away from the dog handler okay uh, and if it doesn't find any game it's gonna just gonna keep going bigger and bigger until it finds a moose mm -hmm. even if the dog handler stands still it's just gonna keep searching until it finds a moose uh, a lot of people enjoy that hunting style. Like they, they let a dog do loose, and then when it starts barking, you know they have a moose paid. Yeah. But uh, as I grew up in hunting, as in our views, at least smaller properties uh, mm. or like smaller hunting areas. Yeah. Uh, I wanted a dog that were working more with me and closer towards me. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the uh, county where I grew up, Värmland, uh, we had the first uh, wolf population in Sweden uh growing up so like i have had a wolf close by so to say yeah on my hunting grounds which means i also wanted the dog that were uh, coming with me home uh yeah, definitely uh, 
a lot of the Swedish moose dogs and Norwegian moose dog, they can easily stay and bay a moose for 20 hours, uh, wow. which is like leaving a dog in the forest, baying through night is, it's not something that I at least enjoy. And then obviously you, if you have a, a good handle on your dog, you whistle and it comes to you, but. Mm-hmm. No, uh, just like you said, the fact that they range out, the fact that they bay a lot harder and tighter. And so therefore they're more inclined to stay out there that puts them all at a lot more risk of getting attacked by a wolf. And so, yeah. Or being on the neighboring property. Um, so that's what got me looking into other breeds. Like we have a a lot of different breeds here. We have the Norwegian Spitz, which is a breed I was looking at as well. And then we had a different like, uh, breeds Mm -hmm. and just by chance, I stumbled upon this Russian European, like a male that I have now, uh, he said he relocated to me as he was just about one years old because he got injured by a wild boar early on. And then the first owner had other male dogs that they didn't really get along. So gotcha. at the time I was only hunting moose. So for me, it didn't mind that the, like the, the view was that he got injured so young as by a wild boar that he probably wasn't going to chase the wild boars. Yeah. Uh, which is true. Now he like he will bark at them, but then he's gonna come to me and mm-hmm. let them go away again. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. but he worked out good as a moose dog. Like awesome. I still remember one of the first hunts I had with him on my like home hunting area. Yes, uh, like probably what let him lose five or six times before the hunting season started, and then. Mm-hmm the big moose weekend was uh, around the corner, so to say, and I were the only dog handler and I was, well, 22, 23 at the time. Uh, and then you have like eight or nine people sitting on shooting stands, just waiting for you to find the moose for them. So they're not wasting their time. So <laughs> it's a bit of a pressure. I was gonna say, you're not, you weren't nervous or anything, were you? No, 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 no nervous <laughs> at all. And we basically went through the whole area where we were going to sh- hunt that day. And I got to this one of the old timers that actually took me hunting when I was seven years old. And he was like, ah, this dog is never going to find the moose. He's way too close to you because compared to like a Swedish moose dog or a Norwegian uh, yeah. moose dog, he, he was like, he's hunting maybe 100 to 250 meters away from me. Okay. Uh, and I know as soon as he passed that 300 meter mark, I know he's going to start barking. But I was uh, sitting next to this uh, old timer and he's like, yeah, no, nah, this is, this, we're not going to find the moose today. And then he, I see on the GPS tracker, he goes 200, 250, 300 meters, and then he starts barking. And mm-hmm. I'm crossing my fingers like, please, please be a moose here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I start sneaking over and I'm getting to, um, to 20, 30 meters away. It's still very good baying from the dog and like, coming to a court, uh, to a stop. And <clears throat> I realized that there's a cliff, like 10 meters drop between me and the dog. Oh geez. So I'm like, I'm slowly walking by and looking over the edge and I, I see the dog barking and I see two moose ears flapping, like literally dead below me. That's so I'm awesome. like, I'm debating with myself if I could shoot, but like from that angle, the dog would be literally on the other side of the moose. So I decided to backtrack and then try to find a way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, kept sneaking over and it felt like it was ages, probably was 10 minutes when, <laughs> when I'm looking back at it, but it felt like it took so long to get around. Yeah. And then I shoot a nice, uh, moose uh, cow for the dog and uh, like 
probably the first day of pro- properly hunting with a dog uh, since I took him over. And yeah, it was amazing. Uh, then it took us four to five hours to haul that moose out, but <laughs> that was beside the point. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned that you, you use GPS. I'm just curious as to what kind of GPS you use. Yeah, I would say the most common used is Garmin. Okay. Uh, so it's the same, like you have the 320 yeah. and then the Alpha 100 and then now the Alpha 200. Okay. I would say, if we are strictly speaking moose dogs here, uh, most people will use them as the number one GPS when they're within one kilometer of uh, the dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, as most of the uh, most moose breeds uh, tend to go wide, uh, most people also have uh, different brands of uh, mobile gps trackers like you have a tracker and an ultracom which are the two big ones and then also b bark which is it's basically a gps tracker that you follow in the phone that goes on the mobile internet service providers connection i've I've seen tracker um somebody had shown me those so i was that's why i was curious is if you used garments or not now are you guys allowed to use the track and train collars over there because i know I believe in Norway, Bear Sargusa, who does a hunting hound podcast, said that they're not allowed to use the. Well, I I think the fact is uh, if I push the same button as you're, I think you have electrical shock, right? I assume that's the one you mean. Then we just have a lamp that turns on. Okay. I think think that's the answer. But you have the sound and the vibration still on the Garmin, which we're allowed to use. Gotcha. but then one of the big plus sides with like a uh, tracker or like the mobile devices, we have two brands that like we hunt and easy hunt, which is basically for the whole team mm-hmm. where you can put out stands. Uh, and then all, every people that's hunting with you can see where the dog is okay. uh, and you can see where every people is to make it safe. Yeah. That's uh, cool. So I think that's something that's really exploded a lot in popularity the last few years because you can add property lines. So even if you're, joining as a friend of a friend on a hunt and you can just look at your phone and find your way to the correct stand and you know you're within the correct property yeah Uh, that is pretty cool so uh, the downside is that you you have times where people are looking at the phone and seeing where the dog is and then you have a moose (laughs) run by yeah definitely a downside (laughs) that happens here when we're uh we're hunting too so but yeah uh, uh, one thing for the listeners uh you know I, i don't do a very good job of promoting my sponsor w but if uh, you need some tracking supplies make sure you look up w hunting supply get your all your tracking needs at the same point while you're there you should buy a tree talking time hoodie or t-shirt so like i said i don't i don't do a very good job of uh selling selling myself or uh pitching my sponsor but just throwing that out there for everyone listening yeah i actually looked at them i'm gonna have to message them to see if they ship to europe <laughs> i would imagine they do they they've shipped I know, I'm pretty sure they've shipped at least other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. So, gonna have to look into that. But yeah, I think uh, Garmin is the most used one. And then if you have a moose dog that chases far, or like a plot hound, or mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know what our breeds of the plot hound is called in English. But like, if you're chasing fox or uh, lynx with dogs that chase far, then you tend to use Tracker or other mobile app. Uh, Okay. Applications. Gotcha. 
A plus side there is you can follow a friend's dog even if you're not close by. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can be at work looking at someone that's a bit luckier <laughs> and out hunting. Yeah. <laughs> that actually happened to me uh, back in October. We were hunting. We were bear hunting. And uh, it was funny. The one guy couldn't be there that morning with us. So he was... He ha- he turned his tracker on so he, he, he could track all everyone else's dogs while he was at work because he was only working right up the road. And so uh, well, we're out there bear hunting. He's watching watching what's going on with us. <laughs> Listening yeah. to his radio as he, when he had time. Seeing how we were doing. Well, yeah. Like I have to ask that. Like, uh, do you, are you, uh, got, can you use radio communication? Like I've seen different information about that in different states. Yeah. Like you said, it depends on the state. Um, and it also depends depends on the type of hunting you're doing, but it's very common with big game hunting, you know, bears, coyotes, stuff like that, where you're hunting with a group, you're communicating with, you know, from truck to truck or people on the ground, you know, have handhelds and you go up in the woods and that way somebody back at the truck and, uh, and communicate with people. So, yeah, well, we, we only have the handhelds like, okay. uh, to quickly mention that, like, with trucks like here like as soon as you're starting an engine doesn't matter if it's a truck or it's a electrical bicycle like as soon as you use an engine to do something then the hunt is over you're never allowed to use any sort of uh, engines to like help with the hunt so to say oh, wow. so as a like a if we're two dog handlers and my dog chases off with a wild boar and goes a few kilometers away and I drive to pick her up, then I just have to wait until like that hunt is over. Oh, wow. Maybe maybe you call the hunt off as lunch mm-hmm. and then I can uh, release one of my dogs after lunch, but I can't really, I can't go pick up my dog and then let it back. Wow. Uh, now because we, then... <laughs> well, the way we bear hunt and uh, coyote hunt and cat hunt a lot of times is you're hunting out of a truck and you're driving around looking for tracks and once you dump your dogs out, a lot of times you're trying to keep up with them on your, with a truck or with a side-by-side or with a snowmobile, whatever, you know? So it's very common to use vehicles while we hunt. Um, even coon hunters, a lot of times, you know, you dump your dog and they tree a mile away. Uh, you drive around to, to the other side to get closer. And so. Yeah. Here instead we, we walk on the road with the dogs when you're bear hunting and then you just have to move, use your legs and keep up with the dogs. <laughs> so I think it's a bit more like, I, th- I think it was Alex that you had on that talked about <laughs> how he hunted with the West Siberian Laika. So like, yes. it's more similar to that. Like mm-hmm. w- once you grow old here, you're sitting in a stand okay. or you have a dog that a younger person is trying to keep up with in the forest. Yeah. Alex put some miles on, that's for sure. Yeah. I would I love think... to hunt with Alex, but I don't think I could keep up with him. He's yeah, but... a giant, for one, and his legs are, like, almost as long as me. That's how tall he is, so I don't know if I could ever keep up with him. <laughs> yeah, I talked a bit with Alex. Like, I am definitely would like to come over and do some hunts in the States, and yeah. Alex is one of the persons I would definitely enjoy going to hunt with, as we have... Like different kind of Lycas, obviously, but they're hunting the same way. Yeah, definitely sound. A lot of the Lycas, and even when I had the guy on that had the Norwegian elk hound, which for anyone listening, you've been referring to them as, as moose, you know, Norwegian moose hounds. But, yeah, uh, yeah. That, it's the same same breed. So, uh, but they, it sounds like all the Spitz breeds hunt very similarly. 
Yeah, and I think in some sense they're all from the same breed. If you go back far enough, like yeah. if you have the likest, they're divided up depending on which part of Russia they're coming from. And if you go with Sweden and Norway, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends if you're in Norway or Sweden, what you call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're. Um, that's a big difference, I would say, from the States to here is that you're never allowed to use any fo- sort of vehicle to help yourself, so to say. Like, yeah. e- even even when it comes to trail cams, it's like if I get a picture of a, let's say I get a picture of a wild boar at my food station. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go there now, just like I get a picture now, I drove over there and that, that's breaking the law. Like you can't use that information you get of a trail cam to chase the same day. Oh, wow. So like uh, you can use the trail cam to like find patterns in the animal, but like uh, the same way, if someone calls me like there's a moose on this area, can you come here with your dog? Then I'm using the vehicle to go to chase that moose. And then I use the vehicle to like hire my chances of finding that game. Wow. So like, it's very regulated. Like I can obviously use my car to get to my hunting ground, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's in the gray area. If, if I'm not planning hunting tomorrow and someone calls me tomorrow that they seen a moose and I drive there, then that's like borderline not okay. That's crazy. Like, I can kind of see what you're saying, you know, once you start the hunt, you're not allowed to hop in a vehicle, but you're not even allowed to, like, drive to somewhere where the game has been seen. That It's just crazy the differences in in the laws and stuff between the country. Yeah, yeah. Country, uh, you know. European I'm countries not, versus the United States. Yeah, and then like it's different here in Europe as well, like from country to country. Yeah. And when when you come to like uh, lynx and then brown bear and also wolves, like uh, any hunt we have of the bigger predators is like strictly regulated, and each uh, each ruling, like the hunting season this year, then the state can put out different. Um, where, where it's okay to break the law like when you're normally in most areas here when you're chasing links you can track it from the car and you can also use trail cam information but then it has to be like a decision from the state that th- this year it's okay okay to you it so like most of the time like big uh, predator hunting we can use cars uh at least on links uh brown bear i know like there's some really nice youtube videos out there with a, a big bear hunter called rasmus Boostrom. i think he's been on some podcast in the states as well and yeah. like you just see him he walks he walks like 20 kilometers a day just following a road until one of his dogs makes a mark and then you, the hunt starts yeah crazy it's a lot so of like, walking i, I think it, <laughs> we have been spoiled over here that uh a lot yeah, of us think, w- wouldn't want to switch to your way, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's a bit both ways. On the other way, on the other side, like you have states where you can't use dogs. Like we can use a dog on anything we want to hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think it goes both the ways. And I'm True. not sure which way is more correct, so to say. But like for me, uh, growing up with like never using a car is like truck hunting would be like, isn't the point to be in the forest and walking <laughs> those 10, 15 kilometers? Like, that's for me is part of the hunting and part of being a dog handler is just putting those miles in. Now I work within the forest industry, so I work, I work basically by walking in the forest yeah. with forest management. So I do 10 to 15 kilometers walking per day during work hours as well. So 
I'm hoping if I go over, I can keep up with Alex. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is like, how is it with dog shows? Because like I see on Facebook, like Facebook or Go Wild, it's amazing in one way that you can connect <laughs> with people across the globe. But like, I like how is it with dog shows and uh, hunting dogs in the states? Because from listening to your podcast, like you have a lot of different breeds, yes. I think, and then you mix breeds with. Like you're mixing a lot more than we do. Like here you have more normally, at least you, you have a Russian European like, and then you find the Russian European like a male. Like for me, my young female, I'm going to have to look in. I was planning to look in Russia, but, but yeah, I'm not going to even go there. But so now I'm going to try to find a male in either Finland or in Estonia, I think. Okay. Uh, so but like with shows, um, like, You've got bench shows, like so. UKC has bench shows. A bench show is at a lot of times held at a licensed hunt. So you have the coonhound breeds that, or even the cur breeds, they can be shown. They, you know, they they stand up on a bench, which is why it's called a bench show, which is just a little platform they stand on and uh, get judged. And then you have confirmation shows, which confirmation shows are like the next step up, and that's where the that's the you know, the dog shows you see on TV where you show against, you know, every other breed of dog and all that. But uh, I would say the there are bench show dogs that are not hunting dogs, but there's also a lot of people that that show their hunting dogs. And it's not uncommon within the bench show world to have, you know, dogs that are, are grand bench champions, but also, you know, night champions or grand night champions and so you, you see both and then you're right we do have a lot of crossbred dogs and uh especially in the big game world you see i would say more crossbred dogs than you do in like the coonhound world um in the big game world most of those guys just don't care about papers they don't care about showing dogs they don't care about competing in any events they just want to catch game and whatever catches game is what matters and the style that they like to do it. And so they've got a really good blue tick and they've got a really good walker. It's not uncommon to cross them. Yeah, I can, I can totally respect that. But like here, I think we, our show then would be something in between a bench show and I, don't, I already forgot the name, but the like we have, show. yeah, so we have moose dog shows, mm -hmm. which would be all the nine moose dog breeds okay. only showcased on that day. So then you have this running in a circle, standing still, yeah. looking nice yeah. and all that. That's normal. And for us to start any hunting dog, it doesn't matter if it's a moose dog or I'm not going to put it out. I think it might be some hunting breeds that can start without a good without a dog show but for the moose dogs you have to have an at least okay grade on a dog show to be able to start on hunting tests okay that's also something different like you guys do you have to have your dogs tested before you're allowed to hunt no okay uh, I know some other countries you do yeah um, uh you you have if you want to be the traffic hunting like searching wounded animals from traffic then you have to do a test for that gotcha. but to start any hunting uh, tests so to say then you have to have an okay grade at least on a dog show mm -hmm. uh, so yeah it's like that's something we picked up the last two three years and especially now with the young female she's performing really well on the dog shows so mm -hmm. got a bit of more more taste to it so to say so yeah 
something really enjoying here with the dogs in the off season because from well it's gonna be from now thir- last end of january to the 21st of august there's no dogs off leash okay. uh, so it's a bit of dead time here and yeah. this is the time where we tend to have the most of the dog shows it yeah. was a short breach of uh, links is in the march here so but here in this county i'm at i think the links quota was filled within the first two hours of hunting on the opening day so wow that was fast. yeah yeah uh it was a bl- lot lower quota this year than normal uh but we also had like fresh snow on the ground uh for the hunting opening so yeah it, it went fast i bet what else have you noticed that's different between sweden and the united states that you <sighs> think's like worth I think really noting t- I think we touched a lot of it. Like I would say uh, trucks or like truck hunting is one big thing. Uh, And then normally, at least looking outside in from on the state, it's like you you would always use more dogs than we have. Like (laughs) uh, using more than like if you go for moose dogs here, let's say you use three or four moose dogs, then you're hunting properties in the range of maybe 15, 20,000 acres. Wow. That's the, like when you, when you can have three, 4,000 acres per dog, then you're going to use another one. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that I would say pack hunting and trucks is a lot of difference. And then mm-hmm. Makes sense. that's something. Yeah. And, I'm not sure what's better. Like we we have imported a lot of plot sounds, or yeah. a lot may might be pushing it, but there's definitely <laughs> plot sounds around here for yeah. mainly bear hunting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Like overall, I think here it's a bit more of a like as everything is on private property. It's mm-hmm. it in some ways it's less accessible, but as the he- hunting history is so deep within the community, at least on the countryside, like yeah if you ask enough people you're gonna find somewhere to hunt so like mm-hmm. i think it goes both ways um so yeah um, hmm. we we have a lot more I, I at least from my perspective like i think it's a lot more hunting tests and dog shows yeah. driven here like if you want to sell your puppies you're gonna have to you or at least you want to have a good uh, dog show and you want to have at least maximum points on three hunting tests which would make you a moose dog champion okay and then if you have uh, three uh, excellent with the uh, uh, extra plus so to say then you can be double champion which would be dog show and then hunting tests nice. and then the big breeders if they're really pushing it then you also go do hunting tests in norway and finland and then you're a scandinavian moose dog champion Cool. Yeah. But I, if I, you look towards Finland, they do a lot more hunting tests because their moose population is a lot less. So okay. they tend they tend to do hunting dog tests instead of hunting. Gotcha. We we shall see. Our moose population here is uh, it's not crashing, but it's very close to it. Gotcha. Definitely. So it's declining, huh? Yeah, I think. Uh, Ten years ago, we shot uh, hundred thousand moose, and I think wow. this season we had sixty thousand. So it's almost yeah. half the quote, half the shot moose per yeah. season in yeah. like just ten years. Yeah. But like looking at 
the average moose per hectares in states were we're still the highest moose population in the world compared okay. to acres but we had some moose population explosion here in the 80s where talking with some old timers like they basically stopped hunting at 10 11 and they just dragged moose for two full days <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think anyone wants to go back to that uh, state of moose population but yeah it's definitely been tense you like that happy medium <laughs> yeah like i think the happy medium is um, something that's good in no, almost everything you do in life exactly <laughs> so is there anything else you want to ask or i need some more i need at least another good story about hunting over there in sweden another good story like i yeah. i have a really good story with my little brother okay. uh it wasn't actually one of the few mooses i've shot that wasn't chased by a dog <laughs> but we were we were hunting a small property very close to both railroad and a bigger uh, normal road so to say mm -hmm. so we just had a human drive do you call that okay. like yeah. four 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 or five beaters yeah making noise and pushing the moose head and this was the first time my little brother he, he was probably 14 at the time so I was like drilling into him, like, we're going to sit on this uh, stand for four hours. It's going to be boring. Nothing going to happen. <laughs> and it took maybe 10, 15 minutes. And on the field in front of us, you saw a nice moose cow coming and she was followed by two calves. And they were just trotting until they were maybe 50, 60 meters in front. And I shot the first calf. Uh, and then we got the second one as well. Uh, and it's like my, he called my dad straight after probably been hunting for 40 minutes and it was like <laughs> my my dad was mentally prepared for all oh, he he's already bored he want to be picked up and yeah. it was like no we got two moose we're done for the day <laughs> that's awesome so yeah yeah it was yeah it was just one of those times where i'm happy for it to happen because he got ho as hooked as i am in hunting now he's turning 18 here close soonish so okay I'm yeah. just hoping he keeps up, and when we're 18 here, we can get our first guns. Okay. Uh, so, very cool. I would say guns is something that's different, but I don't think we should dive that into that <laughs> deep into that conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that's a little different. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I'm sure that's different. But yeah, here it's you can get your first gun when you're 18, uh, okay. and in total, you can have six guns. I would say without too much struggle but you have to be in gun safes and all that six guns that's it oh yeah normally <laughs> you can go four and then you can ask the police for two extra if you can motivate it hmm. <laughs> hmm. well yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna leave that that one alone yeah that's not a lot of guns that's for sure <laughs> by most american I standards no, it's not a lot of guns by our standards either, but that's the way we have it. <laughs> Unfortunately. So. But yeah, like, uh, I also had a really good hunt with my f older female here this season. Uh, I joined this, ma my main hunting team now is 4,000 acres, okay. um, like 30 minutes north of uh, where I'm living. Mm -hmm. And the... I joined there the first time last season and then it was like as the moose hunting is so history connected like on moose hunting weekend you only shoot moose like nothing else okay but in this area we're all starting you get wild boars 
Uh, and for me, I'm chasing moose and wild boar mainly with my dog. So yeah, I want to be able to shoot the uh, wild boar if my dog is paying it. So I was basically like, you might be angry, but if my dog pay a mo- uh, wild boar, I'm going to shoot it. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But you take the meat home. We don't want that. Yeah. Because like wild boar is still a bit viewed down upon here. I'm not sure how it is with hogs in the States, but. Um, it just depends. Some people eat, love it and some people don't eat it. So it just kind of depends. Yeah. Because for me, a big part of hunting is the meat. Yeah. Uh, that's like, yeah, for me, I'm like, I would love to have some plot hound or something like that and just chase predators. But mm-hmm. mm, I, I love that moose meat. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, back to the story. Like she picked up one of these big wild boar hogs probably like 150 kilos uh pre uh more tracks like a moose cough mm-hmm. sadly she picked it up behind me so the wind was badly so i knew this this is never gonna stay on this property this is gonna be a long chase yeah uh so where i'm hunting as we're all hunting for the same forest company like we have co- contacts with the neighboring properties okay. where they're hunting so i called one guy up and like my dog is gonna come to you with a really nice boar. Can you please shoot it? And he's like, "Nope, we're only hunting moose today." So I switched. O- I switched over my radio, listening to them, and then one of the shooters goes, "Oh, there's a beautiful dog here baying a wild boar 50 meters in front of me. Can I shoot it?" And you heard the leader, "Nope, we're only hunting moose today." And she kept chasing that wild boar for four or five kilometers past, like eight ten more shooters and Jeez. everything everyone had to let it go because we're only hunting moose today that's crazy yeah <laughs> it's legal and, you just don't want to kill it because it's it's i don't know yeah like it, just yeah this idea that it's only <laughs> moose today yeah and it's like uh, i think it's the I'm assuming it's the same with hogs in the states like those things when they grow big and they have those nasty teeth you don't want your dog baying that for too long without no. being yeah. close by exactly and then you add into as soon as i'm sitting in that truck to pick my dog up then my hunting for that first few hours that day is over yeah so like yeah that's one of the struggles we have here is like if as soon as you use that truck man you, you have to wait a few hours before you can keep hunting yeah that's right. Yeah, that was for sure. But yeah, that was one of the more exciting ones we had. And mm-hmm. then we also had some moments here when we had some links up in a tree while hunting moose when it was off season. And then you just take some photos of the links, and then you're yep. very proud of the dog, but you just have to walk <laughs> by. Yep, definitely. But yeah, like it was an honor to be on and talking about dogs. No, I really appreciate you, you coming on and. Uh been wanting to talk to you for a while about hunting in sweden and you know we've like i said it's fun you know you get to messaging people and stuff but there's just a difference in actually getting to sit down and talk to somebody so yeah and if something comes up or if some listeners have some questions like put them in the in your facebook group or something i'm gonna try to respond to the best of my ability but i'm just a normal guy (laughs) loves chasing game with my dogs yeah you know that's all i am i'm just a normal guy just uh like to talk to people yeah <laughs> that's so. the downside when being a hunter right you have to be silent for so long <laughs> when you're in the forest <laughs> exactly so well i really appreciate you it's probably getting late over there isn't it yeah it's not that late it's nine seven thirty nine okay yeah 
So little, it's little time to of, make dinner. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of a time difference, that's for sure. Thank you very much. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>